it's like something in my DNA literally changed when I had kids. And it's like, I'm here to stay, but you're going to figure out how to just live and keep it away. But it's, I don't think it's ever something that's fully going to be completely out of my life, which sometimes I'm like, that sounds really sad and depressing, but it's also taught me a lot and it's made me a better person. I mean, I have been able to connect with so many people and really bring awareness to mental health. And that's where my love for running really grew strong because that running is literally what saved me. That's what I like to say. Like if I, I was in the darkest place, but I could go outside for a run with my son in the stroller and instantly I would feel better. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 108 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. After I had my first child, I suffered from postpartum depression. It was really sad, dark, and scary. Running literally saved me, along with medication, therapy, help from friends and family. Ever since then, I've never been the same, and I struggle with mental health issues. But because I had to dig myself out once, I know what to watch out for and how to best help myself if I feel darkness coming again. Meet Katie Bolos, mom of three and introvert, who made a brave decision to share her postpartum depression struggles on IG. Katie noticed running stroller miles with her son would instantly help her feel better, and she forged a deeper love and connection to running. By sharing her postpartum journey to connect with and help other moms, it truly transformed Katie and provided a deeper sense of purpose. Katie loves to grind, chase down big goals, and is a huge Goggins fan. She's training hard and has a sub-250 goal set for her next marathon at Mount Charleston in April. We discuss coaching, her partnership with Emily from Praxis Running, nutrition, injuries, Goggins, mindset, goals, drive, challenges, and community service. I'm so grateful to Katie for stepping out of her comfort zone and sharing her inspiring journey. Let's take a listen. Welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How you doing this evening? Good, how are you? Doing well. Excited to be here. Yeah, good to see you through the old Zoom screen. Yeah, we got, we got a good connection. Audio's good. Life is good, man. How, how are things going for you? Good. It's beautiful weather here. 50, 55 today. Sunny. Love it. Good for my soul. I need the sunshine. Sign me up for some of that weather, man. Send it to the Northeast where my friends and I are all freezing our ass off trying to train (laughs) for Tokyo or Boston or wherever we're running. Um, So we could could use some of that weather. Bottle it up and send it, man. For sure. So are you a morning runner, afternoon? What's your time of the day that you choose? What do you you enjoy the most? So I used to be like morning runner early, like around like, you know, 6 a.m., every morning. But this year, um, I've kind of switched, especially this winter. Winter's hard for me. And my husband works from home. So I most days have been just running in the afternoon. I will I have one kid that's in kindergarten. So he's gone all day. 
but my other two, they're just preschool age. So either I'll drop them off at preschool and then I'll go get my run in or my husband's home and I'll just like put on a little show for him and be like, see, I'm always going for a run. <laughs> so yeah, it's been kind of nice because I'm so used to just the early mornings and where I live. I mean, in the summer you have to, it's way too hot to run any other time of day, but right now I'm just kind of enjoying slowing down, staying up a little later, waking up later. It's nice. Yeah. The kids dictate so much of it to the ages and yep. you know how old they are and the school schedules and also just when they eat and sleep and nap and feed and all the things moms are like so important to uh, handle for us. Otherwise, you know, what would we do? Like I always say, what would we do without our moms? Lucky for me, exactly. my mom is still with me at almost 91 and we can never say thanks enough. So hopefully the kiddos appreciate you and it's great that your husband works from home and he's out there with you on the runs. That's super cool. So you get some companionship. Um, the younger ones, do they like stroller running at all? Are they into it or are you not into it? I mean, um, what's, what's no, your deal? I, I love stroller running. I did a lot, especially because um, all my kids, they're like, all really close in age. So my first one, we did like lots of stroller runs together. Like his whole, his whole first year of life, it was mainly just me and him with the stroller. Um, I actually pushed him in a half marathon, went right around his first birthday. And it was so fun. One of my favorite memories. Um, and then at one point I had a triple jogging stroller. So I'd be out there with all three of them. But now as they've kind of gotten older, my oldest, he's old enough. He'll just ride his bike next to me if he wants to come. Um, and my other two, I'll still take them occasionally in the double stroller. But for the most part, I try and keep it something that's just kind of for me. If not, I mean, I used to work, but I, I stay home now. And so I need that time to just kind of get out and do something that's just for me. But every once in a while, I'll take them with me. Yeah, you got to have some mom time. Um, yeah. and it's, it's one of my questions I ask every single mom, because for me as a dad on the opposite end of it, that was magic time. And, um, you know, we were unfortunately going through a separation when he was at that stroller age. And so that's stressful enough for anyone, for both sides, for both of us. And she was a great runner and I coached her. Um, she's one of my best friends in the world now and our son's fully grown. So I just remember she'd be like, well, I know you need to get your runs in, you know, do you want me to just bring him later? And I'd be like, Absolutely not. I am not giving up <laughs> one second. And we never had one of those custody deals. We just, I had them all the time. She had them all the time. Holidays were yeah. just a lot of times together at both families, her family and mine, because we went through what would be considered a very good divorce. It's not an easy yeah. thing, but those running miles in that stroller, no way on earth was I giving up any of that. And I can still remember the belly laughs in my son, <laughs> literally. And we talk about it, like his feet would be flopping up and down yes. and Central Park is so hilly. And, you know, people are always, moms know all about the judgment zone, you know, when they're carrying yes. a baby, like strangers coming up, touching their belly, saying stupid shit. You should be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. I had a guest on around Boston, 31 weeks pregnant. She lives in my building. And it was just literally like information from hell overload. Like everybody yeah. like weighing in, it has no <laughs> business weighing in. And the same thing, people come up to me, oh, are you sure your son's like old enough to be going up and down these big giant hills? I'm like, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's old enough. Like, thanks though for being concerned, really. Uh, but yeah, the, those stroller miles are awesome. And then, you know, now you progressed, you got one that can go on a bike with you if he wants to. And if not, and they're like, I don't really want to hang out with mom or dad, you know, I'll go find something else to do. So super yeah. cool. 
And, uh, you know, I can't even imagine pushing three. That is a seriously feat, a feat of strength. It was, it was a beast of a stroller. I actually just gave it. So I found it on a yard sale page. It's super hard to find like nice triple jogging strollers. I found it on a yard sale page and I was stoked. So I used it for about probably a year and a half. And then just recently, I think last, I'm trying to think, maybe it was this summer, I found another mom that needed it. And I was like, so excited to get rid of it. But I'm not going to lie. I was really sad. I was like, oh, that was some fun time. So we have some cool, some cool pictures together with us all running and it's fun. Yeah. Hey, those are great memories. And hopefully when you ran that half with your son, hopefully you got some video or some lots of shots of that because, uh, man, you know, I don't have to tell any mom, you know, or dad out there, man, when that saying that it goes by too quick. Yeah, it's true. I can assure you that it's true. There might be moments when they drive you completely batshit crazy because we know that does happen. But for the most part, man, you're going to blink and they're going to be like so much further down the line and you're going to want to, you're going to want to take yourself back, you know, yeah. back in time to those spots. But anyway, for the Run Chats audience who maybe don't know you at this point or maybe aren't following you, can you just give us a little background on like where you grew up, what life was like as a kid and sports and whatnot? Like, what were you into? Um, so I grew up in Ogden, Utah. It's near Salt Lake City. Um, I mean, I had like a really good childhood, good parents, good family. I have um, five siblings, four sisters, one brother. Um, I'm the youngest. Just really good home life. Nothing to complain about there. Um, I did all sorts of things growing up. I loved all sports. I was always like very much so into sports. I had all of my sisters, they did like cheer and dance. And I was like, eh, nope, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to stick with some sports. Um, I did do some tumbling and then I like tried everything. I did soccer, um, basketball, softball. I mean, I tried it all. Um, but I really fell in love with, um, soccer and basketball kind of stuck with those. I played both of those up until about high school. And then in high school, I kind of made the decision that, okay, I need to pick one or the other and really like focus in on it. And I chose basketball. And sometimes I look back and I'm like, why did I pick basketball? I'm literally, I'm five, two, I'm so short. And I'm like, why, why did I do that? I don't know. But anyway, so yeah, I stuck with it. I wasn't anything amazing, but I did you know, I had some opportunities. I could have gone on to like a small community college, but just didn't feel right. I wasn't, I don't know. It just, just didn't feel right. So I chose not to. Um, so yeah, I graduated high school. I had nothing. I was so used to being part of a team. So used to, you know, having teammates and something to keep me in shape. And I went to college and I was like, whoa, what do I do? <laughs> I'm like, this is weird. So I started kind of like lifting weights and, you know, running maybe a couple miles on the treadmill, nothing crazy. And during my first semester of college, I really, you know, started getting into weightlifting more. So I actually went through, um, what's it called? NASM, NASM. It's like a personal training thing. I went through and got my certificate. I worked at the local gym, 
trained some people. Like totally, I look back and I'm like, that is so funny that I did that. (laughs) But anyway, it was way fun. And then I kind of got a little more into running. I decided I wanted to sign up for a half marathon. So I signed up, started running more miles. I mean, I don't remember like loving it, but I mean, it was enough that I ended up doing three half marathons pretty all close together, like boom, boom, boom. And ever since then, I mean, I've been running consistently ever since then. And I've fallen way more in love with it since becoming a mom. I think I've realized like how much I really needed it, especially for my mental sanity and clarity. So yeah, I mean, 12, I think it's been 12 years about since I started and love it. Don't ever see me stopping anytime soon. (laughs) Nice, man. You got to keep, keep the shoes moving, keep rotating them. The the sign off for the show is keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight. I mean, you know, it's burned into my own head for a number of reasons. A, it's, it is nice to have a routine way to sign off a show. If it's a radio show, a TV show, whatever, but more importantly, it was for myself, Katie, like there are moments, particularly during the pandemic when it really hit hard. I'm just such a social creature by nature, the kind of person who's always organizing the group runs, whether they're hard or easy or in between just to see friendly faces, you know, Hey, let's meet in central park. How much are you going to run today? I don't know. Um, whatever. Don't worry. We can social distance. We don't have to, we're not going to do any group hugs, but you know, we're going to be okay. We're outside. Don't worry about it. And, um, so when things got really crazy as they tended to be from around the parts that were getting hit the hardest at, let's say at different times, it really almost broke me. Um, so running, for however you choose to do it, whether it's alone or with kid in a stroller um, or in a group of other moms or a community team or whatever, man, we need it for our sanity for sure. Um, and it's, um, it's just so important. It's so important for us to uh, have that outlet. Um, we need an outlet. You know, sometimes it just, you know, to get away from our wives, our husbands, our brothers, our people we work with, it doesn't matter. It's like, hey, the same way people would go to a bar and blow off steam with runners, you put your shoes on, you get into a run, you don't sit there and go, oh, this run sucks. I really made a terrible decision. I really did not want to run today and I'm hating myself because I went out the door. It's likely that within five minutes you're outside, you stop thinking about why you didn't want to run or anything else and you're just like, you got some soundtrack playing in your head or you're starting to relax or you're noticing something. You know, if you're running in the daytime, you have the sunshine. I'm more of the night runner just because I have too much shit going on. Um, (laughs) But whatever time we're out there, it's all good. And it's a a huge stress release. So you played a lot of sports. Now, what about the rest of the family? It doesn't sound like anybody was really too into athletics besides you. Are you kind of the outlier? Yeah, I feel like Nobody really played. I mean, my brother kind of did a few sports like when he was younger, but he didn't do anything in high school. Um, Yeah, most of my sisters, they just stuck with dance or I think they were mainly just like cheerleaders, you know, how there's dance and cheer. Um, Yeah. And then there was me. (laughs) Love it. I was definitely. Yeah, I I am a very competitive person and I just love love any chance to compete and push myself. And I don't know, I think that's why I love running so much because I can set different goals, new goals, push myself towards them. You know, there's so many different things you can do with running. And I just don't think people understand that sometimes is 
it's more than, I mean, I feel like when I first started it, it was a way just for me to stay in shape. But now I don't even look at it as a way to stay in shape. It's just something that I do. It's a habit and it's something that I love and I don't think I could live without. So that's so well said. Um, it is it, like everything good in our lives. Um, you going to the gym at college because basketball didn't work out or you didn't go to a school where you would have maybe had a chance to play. So you kind of made that decision yourself. Or, you know, maybe if you had chosen soccer, you know, maybe you would have, who knows? It doesn't matter. Um, the point is when you got there, you missed the activity. You missed the camaraderie of a team and workouts and practice and games and just, you know, that connection that you have with other athletes on the team or maybe a coach, let's say. So you find your way into training and and doing workouts and helping some other athletes and getting your certification. And it's great, but it's funny that you said the first couple of runs, you were, you know, it wasn't like something really specifically clicked. I think that's even better because a lot of times somebody runs like one time, they're just like, boom, the light bulb goes off. I think when you're running for a while and there's like no real magic happening, but you're just running because it became part of what you were doing. Like I'm going to go to the gym in the morning or I'm going to go to gym after work and you pack your workout clothes. Because if you don't, that's always the excuse. Like, Oh, I don't have my stuff. I don't know. You, you have to take all those things off the table. That's what good habits are. Like if you know, you're going to run in the morning and that might be your only chance. Then before you go to bed that night, everything you're going to wear on that run has to be out. There's no, there's no looking around for your favorite socks. Yep. There's no looking around for, you know, <laughs> your favorite jog bra or your arm sleeves or anything else. Your tights. No, no, yep. no. It's all laid out, including the sneakers. It's all there. Put them somewhere. And then that's not an excuse. So the same thing with running for you, you came to it and then it just became part of your routine. And then it doesn't, you know, people always think they have to have some big magical goal. You don't have to have any goal at all. It can just be, I'm going to get my run in today because it makes me feel better. Um, but of all the sports to pick, the reason I think running is just so exceptional is you can measure yourself a hundred ways to Sunday. Okay. And it has nothing to do with what your friends are doing or anybody on Instagram is doing or anybody on Strava or anywhere else. It really is. And we both chatted before coming on about how we're both big fans of Goggins, man. If there's one thing about, I love about Goggins the most, it's me versus me. It's not me versus you. It isn't me versus other guys in my 60 to 64 age group. Although there is a lot of that because I want to qualify for world age group champs and things like that and prove that I'm still competitive against the other best athletes around that are still running. But it's me versus me. Okay. I know you get that because you can't be as disciplined as you are unless you figured that component out. It's not about, I have to do my Instagram post, so that means I have to run. No, 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 that's backwards. That's totally the opposite of why you're out there. So um, for you, the joy is in going out to do the run. The rest of it is, you know, do you think like while you're out there, does it come to you? Hey, what's my message going to be from this run when I do my post? Or do you just... You come back home and you're like, you put a little thought into it and you're like, okay, here's what I'm going with today. Um, I don't know. Running, like when I started this account, I started it because I love running. It's something that I can just talk about and talk about and I'm passionate about. And everyone always says, if you're going to have some type of account and you want to, you know, be an influencer or whatever, you have to be passionate about it. And I 1000% am very passionate about running and what it's done for me. And so most of the time it just comes really easily. I 
I don't know. I'm nothing special. I'm not this like crazy, amazing runner, but I love running and I think everybody should try it and just you would be blown away what it can do for you. So with doing my posts, I just try and make it where, you know, people see them and it makes them want to run. That's what I want it. You know, I want them to just look and be like, wow, I want to go for a run now because of what she just said or, you know, so it's just, that's about it. I like it. And it's effective. Um, it does look, um, it looks beautiful, you know, I mean, in terms of where you're running, you know, what it looks like. So in terms of like the imagery, it's, it's beautiful. It's powerful. You're moving, you look strong, you're healthy, but it's a message. That's really what it comes down to. Um, I think, um, some of my best posts ever are a few paragraphs because they're talking about a whole race or maybe doing all six majors in one year, which there's 8,500 six-star finishers. But there's only 84 of us in the whole world that have ever run them all in one year. Wow, that's and, amazing. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty small company when you think about it, 84 out of 8,500. And now this year, I'm going to try to become the first to do it twice. I'm going to try to do them all again. And I say try because you don't know. I mean, I know you're strong enough to do that. I know lots of other runners are strong enough to do that, but it's flying all around the world. It's getting time off. Yep. It's being able to afford to go. It's staying healthy throughout all these races when like Boston and Tokyo, I'm mean, Boston and London are six days apart. So for you, um, you know, staying healthy, staying strong, it's a big, a big piece of like what's going on. Your joy for running, it's obvious. Like I think people that are following you would see that. And the message, it can change. But for me, where I started is some of my best messages I feel are, there are a few paragraphs, there's some depth to it. But I find like most people, they read like the first four words or they look at your picture and whatever, maybe they, they didn't even read the second paragraph or the third. And I think it's just, it's just the way things have become more or less. I think it's a kind of a post symptom of COVID of people just being so I don't know, inundated and not able to focus as well. Yeah. And for me, it's, I'm the opposite. If somebody actually wrote a long post, like I'm, I'm not just going to go long post alert and not read it. Like if it's someone I really follow and I'm into them and I'm supporting them the way they support me, I'm going to read it and be like, and that's the one I'm going to want to weigh <laughs> in on. Or it could be three sentences or two sentences from you. But if it's something that touches me or I really think about it, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm here. Great job. So it's funny. I just, I think- it's a COVID thing. And maybe it happened before, but I just feel like now people are just like, just show me the picture, show me, show me a sentence or two. So I think your formula is probably better than mine. Because well, and that's why, that's why I kind of like finding like audio or having the caption on the reel portraying the message that I want. And then usually I do keep my captions very short because I feel like I can get the main point across on the actual video and then I don't feel like I have, you know, but yeah, for definitely like, just like pictures or, you know, still pictures, you have to like think, okay, what am I going to write? What are people going to read? And I'm like, I will just write what I want. I'm going to stay true to me. And if they choose to read it, they choose to read it. But I'm also like a very introverted person. <laughs> and so I have little words. I don't talk a lot. So I mean, I'm like, okay, one sentence, here we go. We're good. So it's funny. Social media has been interesting for me, but it's good. I like it. Well, for someone who is introverted, um, I'm not, 
you are. Um, I think everyone knows I'm an extrovert with like capital yes. letters and 128 bold point type size or larger, maybe um, in the most bright, glaring font ever. Um, I've had some of the most fun conversations with people who are runners or introverts, because I think deep down they want to share more of their story and yes. but they want somebody to help them tell their story too. like get yep. into a conversation and kind of not necessarily pull it out of them, but just get them to talk about certain aspects of their running a little bit more or maybe their life. And then it, it just, if they're comfortable, they can do it really easily. And the whole point of this show, Katie was my, <laughs> that friend I was talking about before I came on is like run chats. Like we'd go for a run and the shit she would unload about her family <laughs> and kids yeah. and husband and vice versa. Like, Hey, I'd listen to all of her stuff and then be like, okay, I guess I better share something back. And then, but the run's over and everything is good because yeah. you've unloaded. And half the time, some of these people you run with, you don't even know them. They might be coming through Utah to visit you and your husband, or maybe they're visiting somebody else who knows you. And they're like, oh, you should go run with Katie. And it's like, okay, I'll meet this person for a run. <laughs> yeah. And you don't even know who they are. And the next yeah. thing you know, they're telling you about, you know, their boss at work or <laughs> their in-laws or something else. And you're mm -hmm. like, you listen to each other, you absorb it all, you yeah. share a little. And then all of a sudden, everybody comes back on their own. And it's like, Ah, shoulders are relaxed. Everybody's breathing better. So um, that was kind of really one of the big points about this show. Like get people to just come on and not just, I mean, obviously our habits as runners, the discipline that we develop because of this wonderful sport that we love so much, it makes us better parents. It makes us, you know, better human beings. And really that's, that's the really the magic in the whole thing. Yes, for sure. So um, let's talk about your running a little bit specifically, um, you know, because I don't know like how often you're racing, but I saw your, you know, you list some of your best times in there. You've thrown down some pretty impressive races, some pretty fast times. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, were you getting those results on your own at first? Um, were you coached at any point or at some point were you like really starting to do well and saying, Hey, let me see if I could even take this further because I've, you've run some really impressive times and, and done some really good things. So like I said, when I first started running, I signed up for a half marathon to kind of get me motivated. And then I did two more. And then after that, I took probably a, I don't know, five or six year break until my next race. And then my first race back was the one where I pushed my son in the stroller. And then I did like a few more here and there. Um, I found a running group, one of my really good friends. I met her through work and then she was like, hey, we should run together. So we started running and she would do this same, um, the Bryce Canyon half. She would do it every summer and she was like, oh, you should come do it with us. So I signed up and um, I started getting closer to that 130 mark. And I was like, it would be so cool to break 130. Like that was my dream. Like I needed to do that. And so, um, let's see, not this summer. So the summer of 2021, I think I finally broke 130 and I was stoked. I was like, I have made it in life. I don't need to get any faster. Like this is it. And then I, one of my really good friends now, she had just moved here and we had started chatting and she was like, Katie, you're so much faster. Like you have so much potential. And I was like, no, I'm like this, this is like fine. She's like, no, really? Like you have more potential. So that was in the summer. 
And then I decided I wanted to take a try at a marathon. So I last fall of, let's see, I think it was, yeah, 2021, I did the St. George Marathon. And I mean, nothing special. I got like a 312, um, but I was stoked. I mean, my only goal was to Boston qualify and then to never run a marathon again. (laughs) I was like, I do not like marathons, but I need to do this. And I was so excited. And once again, she comes to me and she's like, Katie, you have more potential. She's like, you weren't even trained properly. Like you have potential. Let me train you. And I was like, okay. So she like started this, um, coaching company. And so I started with her last January. So it's been about a year now. And I started working with her. I signed up for like a 10 K with her, but my main goal was the half marathon. She was like, I bet you could break 120. Like we're going to get you there. And I was like, what? I'm like, no, you know, like I didn't believe her at first, but then she started giving me these workouts and, you know, I started seeing my times dropping and I was like, okay, I think I can, like, I think I really do believe her. And so then in April of last year, I went and ran, I mean, these races are all downhill. They're not like just flat races for reference because I'm not that fast, (laughs) but, um, I went and ran the Mount Charleston half marathon and I broke the 120 mark. I got 119.06, I think. And I was like, oh, how did I do that? <laughs> I'm like, literally like a 10 minute PR. And I was like, you were right. I'm like, I need to keep working with you. Like now, like I was hooked. And and now that I'm like done having kids, I feel like I have a little more time to actually like train for races and not have to, you know, get pregnant and then get back in shape and get pregnant. So I was like, this is fun. Like I've never like consistently trained for races. So then I did a few more halves and I eventually got my time down. I think right now my PR is 118.13. I really want to get into that 117 barrier, but I've decided I'm going to go for a marathon. So I'm running the um, Mount Charleston marathon in April and and I'm hoping for a fast time. So we'll see what she can do. But yeah, she... She's a good coach. She believes in me. She loves all of her athletes. She's very like one-on-one coaching. She doesn't, you know, you know, some people do like 12 week plans and stuff like that, which is great. But I needed someone that was like very heavily involved and checking in and like, how you feeling? Do you need a break? Do you, you know, like she's very involved and she believed in me when I did it. And so that's what I needed. And now I'm like, okay, I can believe in myself. I know I can do this. It's just about putting in the work and yeah. So we're going to see it's a revel course. So it's a really big drop. I think it's like 5,000 feet. I don't know. I'm so excited. It'll be fun. That's a great story, um, of working together. Um, initially not, um, kind of almost backwards, it kind of backed into it. So it wasn't, uh, it just kind of happened organically, um, which is always to me the ones that are going to be the most meaningful. Like you just kind of meet somebody out there who does believe in you because self-belief is a massively important thing in all of our lives that has nothing to do with running. Sure, it's it, it's a big part of the talk track I have on these podcast chats, but in life, I mean, you know, when your husband believes in you, your business partner believes in you, your professor in school thinks you're a terrific writer and you have real talent, like there's something that changes in us when somebody has that kind of belief. It's like it, it 
gives us confidence to push our own envelopes and believe like, hey, maybe I do have more than I think. Um, and I think that's why we both love Goggins, man, because it's like, you know, when you think you've hit your max and you think you've hit your full and then you put his audio tape on and you start listening, you're like, hell no, hell no. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you don't know me, son. He could say that a hundred <laughs> times, man. You don't know me, son. I'm like, yeah, just talk to me, David. Talk to me. So, yep. you know, now, you know, you wanted to break 130, then you're 118. I know from experience, having run those times, you know, in my late 30s and whatnot, you know, that's six flat pace. I mean, that's really cranking. Um, and, you know, downhill or not, it definitely has an impact, but you also have to learn how to run on downhill. You have to learn. The average person cannot just go to a downhill course and automatically run a time that beats their best time. That's not the case. Now, if you happen to live in the mountains, then that certainly can help yeah. you because you can prepare and train for that. Um, you know, if you live in an area, you know, like Utah or maybe New Mexico yep. <laughs> or Colorado or somewhere, or even California, depending on where you are. But if you're not training on that, kind of area. Yeah. You could just like any other race, you could go out and be averaging five flat pace for like 15 miles and then be walking the last 10 yep, yep. Uh, and like it not kills your legs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you've had to kind of learn how to train, train for that. Um, the same way somebody has to learn how to train for Boston's course or yep, New York's yep. course or any of the other courses I've run. And, um, flatter doesn't necessarily mean easier because, um, just knowing, having run a lot of the flat marathons too, having run Chicago many times in Berlin and Tokyo, which is upcoming, you know, it just puts the same repetitive load on your hips, on your glutes. Yeah. It's like yeah. you're locked in. You're like, it's almost like you're in the car when you're driving for too long. You're just like, get me out of here. Whereas hills... <laughs> yeah. Up or down, we're changing. We're using different muscle groups and yeah, yeah. it just forces us to kind of alter things and keep things moving. Yeah. And then if it does flatten out or go downhill or whatever, that's great. But going down the whole way uh, doesn't necessarily mean easing, but man, it can beat the hell out of you. Now I have, again, I have not run any of the downhill courses. I have tons of friends oh, who have. We need to. <laughs> yeah. I think, I, I think, I honestly think it would be fun, but I would really like to pick one because they all look gorgeous. I mean, the, the, yes. the rebel races are at beautiful places. So, I mean, they all yeah. look to be really beautiful in terms of that. And, you know, I think the worst thing for me is I think a lot of times you're getting bust out to the start line at like 4.30 in the morning yes, and shit. And yes, I'll be like, no, no. Can I just sleep there? Can I just like, <laughs> I to, know. you know, although yep. I'm not a 10 person, but can I like, I don't know, helicopter in <laughs> yeah, or something. So, exactly. um, so where is that? Where is the rebel one? Um, one that you're going to do, which one is Mount Charleston? Um, it's in Vegas. Okay. So that's Vegas. Okay. Yep, yep. Yeah. And how's, and how's training going for it so far? Good. I mean, when I trained for my first marathon, I hated every second of it. Like hated it. But I was like, I signed up for it. I committed like, this is me. I don't quit. So I was like, I'm going to do it. Whatever. Um, but I don't know this time around. I'm like hooked. I mean, let's see, I'm probably on week four or five of marathon training and I am loving it. And I don't know if it's because I'm working with a coach. And so, you know, it's not just like for my other marathon, I was running the same exact pace for every single mile. So it's boring. You know, you just like, this is really repetitive, just burnout. But this time it's like, okay, you know, you do your fast days. I have my workout days. I have my long runs with a little bit of speed mixed in. And so it's just really fun. The long runs go by super fast and 
I just really enjoyed it. I actually was just telling her the other night, I'm like, I'm hooked. I think I'm going to have to do another race, but I'm going to pick one that's like either less downhill or maybe a little more flat and just like see what I can do. But yeah, I'm hooked. I'm hooked to racing right now. It's been really fun having something to work for. And yeah, so we'll see. I'll probably take a little break in the summer, just do some running for fun because it gets so hot. I don't really want to train for anything in the summer, but next fall, I think I'm going to, I don't know. I I really want to get my 117 half. So I got (laughs) to, I got to get that too, but I also want to just keep chipping away at the marathon. So we'll see where it takes me. Nice. And you, you've qualified for Boston. You said you had a BQ in your first race. So, um, have you had a chance to run Boston yet or no? No. So I need to, I actually was signed up last year, but I ended up not being able to make it. Um, and then I could sign up with that time still again for this year that's coming up in April and I'm signed up, but I just, it's like two and a half weeks after my marathon. And so I'm like, you know, I was going to go just kind of run it for fun, but I was just looking at the flights and all the hotel prices. And I was like, dang, I could go to Hawaii or something. (laughs) So I'm like, man, I don't know what to do, but all of my friends will be going the next year. And so I'm like, well, if I requalify, maybe I'll just go with them the next year and make a big trip out of it. Cause that would be way fun to be there with all my friends. So that might be a better experience. Um, unfortunately, and this isn't just Boston, New York, I live it, um, Boston, you live it, Berlin, you live it, any of the Abbott world marathon majors. It's not just them, by the way. Um, you go sign up for the Barcelona marathon or any other marathon. It's unfortunately the minute you plug the dates in (laughs) on Thursday or Friday or Saturday of marathon weekend, every hotel in like the entire country, you're like, what? What the fuck happened? What button did I push? I, I didn't say I wanted to stay in the presidential suite. Like what the hell's happening? But the thing is like, there are ways and it isn't easy, but there are ways to go to Boston and stay in certain areas Now, I've never done it because look at this point in my life, I'm lucky enough that I can stay really close to the finish line on Boylston. And, you know, I become a travel snob in my older age where, (laughs) you know, I ain't getting on a plane to Tokyo and being stuffed in the back of that plane. And I fly a million, well, I fly a million, some miles. I'm not really a million, but a ton. And, you know, so I have the highest status with United. And so I know that I'm, thank God that status will earn me like business class all the time. And I couldn't do this at my age. I couldn't get on those planes, but for you, because we're focusing on you, there are places that you can stay that are, you know, a little bit out of Boston proper, but yeah. very easy to get where you're going. And again, if you were going to go with a group of girlfriends or friends, it might be fun because it's a little bit more of an adventure. You don't have to be by the finish line. I mean, everybody's got to get to Hopkinton anyway. So no matter where you stay, and I people ask me all the time, I never would never recommend staying there. It's a beautiful, cool, quintessential small town, but, you know, then you got to get all the way back there after you finish. So, yes, and the whole, yes. everybody wants to be by the finish line and hang out. I mean, you can literally walk around anywhere and just That's feel awesome. the vibe. You got your medals, Boston yeah. Common is beautiful. There's just, 
any, you can go anywhere. Even if you don't yeah. drink, you can have fun. Like it doesn't, have, it doesn't yeah. have to do with alcohol. You can just walk around and be part of this amazing energy. That's awesome. And everybody's got their medals on. And plus it's Monday. It's Marathon Monday. You yeah. can use the hashtag Marathon Monday. I mean, yeah. it's like Patriots Day, Marathon Monday, <laughs> here for it all. So we got to get you to Boston, which we will. New York, you would love. New York's crazy. Oh, I've heard that one's a great one. Yeah. I need to do that. Yeah, you do. You, you definitely need to. So um, the coach relationship, you're rolling, keep it up. One thing you said in there that was pretty profound um, for anybody that's listening to my show that's on the newer side and they're just kind of just figuring their training out. I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make by far, and they don't realize that it's a mistake, is they just figure out some pace to run that is comfortable for them. And comfortable is wildly different between me, Katie, and everyone else that could be listening with the headphones on right now. That might be 1130 per mile. It might be five minutes a mile. It might be 1250 per mile. But whatever that number is, somehow they get comfortable on their treadmill in their YMCA, in the treadmill in their basement. Maybe they run around the local track for safety because believe me, women have to be very concerned about where they run and who's looking out for them and who knows where they're going. And I talk about this shit on my show all the time because unfortunately the world is not a safe place a lot of times. It is not, okay? And I am the most positive-minded person you're going to meet, <laughs> but I am also not going to stick my freaking head in the ground and pretend this shit isn't real yeah. when you know, a woman could just disappear and be gone from this earth because she's out running and something happens to her. So you have to be mindful of all that. But where I was going before I took myself off of my own <laughs> tangent, see, I told you I'd get myself back <laughs> online, is if we find that same pace every single day and every single run, you're destined to never improve as a runner. It's a hundred percent guaranteed that maybe you will get a little fitter, Maybe if you started running to maybe get healthier, maybe lose a little weight, whatever the case might be. Yeah, you probably are going to lose a little weight. Your resting heart rate is going to get a little better. Hopefully your blood pressure is going to get better. But way more importantly, hopefully you're just going to get hooked on this sport. That has nothing to do with how fast you can run, but just that you feel this connection and you feel healthier. But to make improvements, to make gains, to become better in the me versus me competition, competition, not the age of competition, we need variety of paces. We need variety of where we run. And if the variety of run can't be altered because of, again, a safety factor or needing to have your husband following you or something else, running with a group of people that run before dawn so you have some safety in numbers then you have to make sure you're varying your paces and there are hard days, there are easy days, and those two words don't mean the same thing. There's, there should be <laughs> no. no confusion. So if I look you yeah. up on Strava, I don't want to be hearing about it's your recovery day and you're running 30 seconds slower than your marathon pace because that's not fucking recovery pace, people. <laughs> okay, whatever your marathon pace is, you better be looking at two minutes, maybe two and a half minutes. You might finish closer maybe a minute off your marathon pace, but that's not the pace you should be running, man. And I am proud of my slow ass runs. I was every nice. bit as proud of those as I am as my hard efforts when I'm running with my team and trying to chase down 30 year olds and show them that I could still <laughs> yeah. mix it up with the best of them. But, yeah. um, so that was a great lesson that you learned. And I don't know if you learned it just on your own or you learned it working with your coach, but cause you talked about the variety and how you're mixing it up. And it just has such an impact on our running, allowing us to get stronger and fitter and tolerate the really harder paces, but also it's the slower aerobic-based running 
where a lot of the magic happens, man. Capillary development, aerobic development, strength, capacity. It all comes together when you allow yourself to run slow enough on those easy days. So when the hard days come, it doesn't mean I'm going to run pretty hard. It doesn't mean I'm going to run kind of kind of hard. No, yeah. hard is hard, man. Hard really is, hard. let's rip. Um, so yeah. good, good for you figuring that piece out. Um, and do you have a, like a mileage you're comfortable with or does it matter? doesn't matter to you at all. Um, I, for years and years have consistently ran between like anywhere between 35 to like 55 miles a week. It just kind of depends what's going on. Um, but when I started with her, when I was training for halves, we would stick usually around between like 40 to 50 miles. Um, and it really is like, she knew me and she knew how much I was running previous. So it was easy for her to be like, okay, this is working, like no need to, you know, increase. But for some people, if they're just starting out, obviously she has to build them slower and get a good base. So yeah, with my marathon training, my miles will get a little higher right now. I'm just right around 50. Um, I'm sure it will get not much higher, but probably between 50 and 60. Um, but yeah, I actually had an injury back in the fall. I had a stress fracture. And so I've been coming back from that, which was really hard because I had to be really patient. I had to, you know, my doctor had me increasing my miles 10% every week. And I started with three 10 minute runs and I was dying. I was like, this is sucks. This is so boring. <laughs> But it worked. I mean, I came back every week. I would increase like one mile, you know, like super slow. I stuck around a 30 mile week for, I don't know, eight to 10 weeks. And then I just, you know, started my marathon training and I've been building slowly. So yeah, it's, she does it all. She tells me what to do. She, she is amazing at what she does. And so I just kind of like completely trust her. If I'm feeling extra, like tired one week or something, I'll be like, Hey, you know, I'm going to cut this run short or I'm going to, maybe I need an extra recovery day. And she, I mean, this week's my recovery week. So it's nice. She'll throw in like, okay, three weeks build one week recovery, just kind of all easy miles, take it easy, maybe some strides. So it's nice. I, I love not having to like, think about the training. She just sends it out every week. I follow it. I do it. And she gets me some great time. So it's, it's been good and I feel good. I feel strong. I can feel myself getting some more endurance. I mean, my longest run for the past few months has been around 10 miles. I've kind of stuck there coming back from my injury. And so it's been fun to get up my longer runs. I've made it up to 16 miles and I can just feel myself getting stronger and my endurance is getting back up there. And it just feels really good to see see myself getting faster. So it's fun. That's great. So do you want to give her a shout out so we can, yeah. you know, give, we'll tag her in the show notes and all that good stuff. Cause obviously you guys have a good connection. Yeah. It's Praxis running. I'm even wearing her shirt. I don't know if it's backwards for you, no, but it's Praxis, no. Praxis running. Her name's Emily and she's amazing. Fantastic. Love to hear. I love to hear about these kind of partnerships. It makes me happy. And, um, there's so much in there that I just want to explore a little bit more because, um, Anytime somebody hits the injury aisle, 
Um, like in the supermarket supermarket aisle, you're going down. <laughs> it's like yep. produce. We got the good stuffs over here. We got the dog food aisle. It's like, oh, fuck the injury aisle. Shit. Yeah. Um, stress fracture injuries. Um, at some point, we're all going to end up there at some point. It's just a fact of life. And it doesn't always have to be an overuse injury. It can be from a fall. It can be from a lot of different things that can happen. Um, and sometimes, oftentimes, it can be nutrition related. And for women in particular, iron, anemia, um, these are like big, big issues uh, that women have to battle because of childbearing and all sorts of other differences in our bodies. But um, for me, and I'm just giving them a plug, they don't sponsor my show, but they do sponsor me personally <laughs> in my own running. I give Inside Tracker a plug everywhere I can because yeah. their shit is just on. Um, and I've had um, amazing people on. Um, Stevie Lynn, who was uh, actually working with um, uh, Shalane Flanagan when Shalane ran yeah. all the six marathons in such a tight window. Um, they were working with her, testing her blood regularly during that entire cycle. Yeah. And Boston and Chicago were one day apart in that one crazy thing. Like, cause I had friends who ran on that Sunday and Monday. That um, is crazy. So that's bananas. Yeah. I mean, I've run Boston and London six days apart. That's one day. That's like fly. That's like do the race, fly, get on the plane, come back. You're going to run Boston the next morning. So, yeah. but you know, what inside tracker is giving you Katie is like that full breakdown. So, you know, yeah. and for, you know, vitamin D, you know, K, um, obviously iron, you know, people that are prone to anemia, like these are things that, you know, trends that we all have to watch out for. And I have celiac, so my body doesn't absorb yeah. nutrients nearly as well. So for you, did nutrition play any role? Do you think, do you know, I'm just curious myself. Yeah. One thing I want to say, I actually have reached out to inside tracker. I don't know, like a few months ago. And I was like, cause I love the concept because I like, I am, I don't know if I'm like a data nerd. I love seeing what's going on in my body. And so I'm like going to my doctor, like every six months, getting my blood drawn, like, Hey, what are my levels? What needs, you know, but it's so inconvenient. I'm like the time, the money. And then I have to go back to the doctor, you know, like, it's just so inconvenient. So I'm like, I need something that's a little more convenient, but I can still get all this data. And, you know, so anyway, I like that you brought that up. Um, but I do think, I don't know. I think there's two major things that played a role in my injury. One is probably for sure nutrition. I mean, I eat a ton. I'm always eating. I don't think it was like that type, but I'm probably deficient in, you know, certain vitamins. I feel like most of America is, unless you're like constantly tracking what minerals and vitamins you're getting, you're probably deficient. So I usually take like a good multivitamin and some other supplements, especially like vitamin D and calcium. Um, and then this summer I kind of got lazy and especially cause I was outside a lot. I'm like, Oh, I'm getting enough vitamin D. I'm not going to take it. I'm fine. I'm going to, you know, get a little lazy with my vitamins. And that was like right around the time when I noticed my injury popping up and I didn't really think anything of it. But then like when I was talking with my doctor, I'm like, do you think that could play a role? And he's like, oh, for sure. And so, yeah, I think you just when you're especially when you're training at high intensities, it's a lot harder on your body, which is another thing. I mean, this year I've really been training at hard intensities. And so I just think those were the two factors is my intensity increased. And then also probably my nutrition, which I mean, if you're looking at these professional athletes, they have people that are helping them with all of this. When you just look at recreational runners, they don't have help. They just are doing the best they can. 
So yeah, I've definitely been more mindful of like, okay, I need to make sure either I'm taking a supplement or I'm trying to eat more of this to get this vitamin or, you know, and also really listening to my body at any tiny twinge. I'm pretty careful, like, okay, maybe I need to like take a rest day or, you know, whereas when I first started with this injury, I totally thought it was like a quad injury, like maybe just a little overuse. I was like, and eh, it's fine. I've ran through some of these injuries before and they just go away. I'll just kind of, you know, back off on my miles. And so for like three or four months, I just kept running and it wasn't getting worse. It wasn't getting better. So I was like, oh, it's like someone mentioned, they're like, maybe it's a stress fracture. And I was like, no, I'm like, it doesn't feel like that. Like it doesn't feel, you know, usually they say like it aches or it just didn't feel like that. So I was like, man, I'm fine. I got a race coming up. I'm not going to like, I don't want to know. <laughs> so I went and ran my race, got my PR, you know, I was like so excited And then I was supposed to run one more race like a month later, but I went and I was doing a track workout one day. And then later that day I was carrying my son up the stairs and I just had this really sharp pain. And I was like, crap, I'm like, I got to stop. This is my sign. Went to the doctor, got an MRI. And sure enough, I had a stress injury is what they called it. It was like stage four. So right before it turned into a fracture. So luckily I stopped when I did because my I mean, my recovery time wasn't terrible. I think I took four or five weeks completely off running. And then I just kind of slowly built after that. So it wasn't terrible, but could have been prevented. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, sometimes the warning signs just aren't, they're not bright enough or glaring enough. Um, you know, maybe if that happened when you're carrying your son up the stairs before the first race, you wouldn't have got the PR. Um, and, and I think the nutrition played a role in it for sure. And again, just because, uh, you know, what's the commercial? I stayed in the holiday and last night I could be a running doctor. I could be a sports doctor. I know more about running injuries from 30 years of running than probably most of the people who do have the medical degrees. But, uh, I promise this, I, a, I have a code for, um, inside tracker for sure that you can use already. I'll get, I'll get you hooked up with those guys. They're, they're good friends of mine. Um, they're amazing people. I love them. Um, and it just helps so many people and particularly women have to just deal with more just because of periods and, all of that affecting, you know, iron levels, anemia, and all the other stuff. Um, yeah, and again, that's it, like, you, yeah, it's just a big, it's such a big piece. And there's not a runner out there, Dash Lane, all every single one of them is using Inside Tracker. So you know, right off the bat, with all the access that they have, which you made that point yourself, with the access they have, they're not going to use Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker isn't, isn't on top of their game. And um, I love when Stevie was on my show. Um, she said it's like playing offense versus defense. And I just loved it. I just, one of my favorite little quotes, little quips that somebody said on the show, because it's true. Like we take everything else so seriously. Hey, what shoes are we going to wear for a workout? And what are we going to race in on race day? And, you know, what are we going to eat, you know, the night before the meal for the marathon? And, you know, what are we going to do in our taper week? And we take all this shit so seriously, but, you know, there it is you know, to go to your regular doctors is way, way, way too much of a hassle. They come to my building. I live in an apartment building, like right across the river from New York city. They come to my building and, you know, I could get the blood draw here in my apartment, but my dog would be like, you know, trying to not attack. I mean, in a good way, like licking yeah. and knocking, <laughs> you know, the blood draw person over. And I don't think we really want dog hair all over the needles <laughs> and everything else. So I go into the lobby of my building, whether anybody likes it or not, it's over in like, you know, two minutes, you know, by the awesome. time I sit yeah. down and she goes on her way and the same, full bottom is comes and does my blood every time. It's amazing. And the, the app, 
not only tells you exactly how much you're short on D or K or B12 yeah. or potassium or whatever your areas might be, you could also be over in certain things, but yeah. it not only addresses it from a supplement perspective, it also tells you, hey, eat more legumes, eat more yeah. of this, eat more of that, um, use these oils cooking. So the information to me is like super valuable. And um, you know, for me trying to run all six this year, there's no way I'm going through all those races without just going by, okay, how do I feel right now? I want to look at yes. some data, just like you talked about. I'm a data nerd myself. Not when I'm running the race. I just run the race. But you know, I want to know, like, hey, man, I just ran Boston and London six days apart and got on a plane and flew two different planes, flew up to Boston, yeah. came home, and then flew to London and, and ran two marathons, came home. I want to know, like, what does my body tell me? What's my cortisol level? So yeah. that could be a good um, extra card in your deck. Um, and also just to give you confidence, you don't even know if, you know, you're not sleeping as well. All of that stuff plays a role in how our body's recovering from a hard workout, from our long run, from that next race. So a good thing for you for the future. And also good for all the people listening right now, man, we need to know what's going on with our training besides, okay, my glutes are a little tight. My hips a little <laughs> sore. Hey man, we need to know more than that. And when something is sore, what do we do? We get the damn foam roller out, people. Get the foam roller out, hit the foam roller. And then beside that, you better have a good massage therapist or a sports chiro, or in my case, I'll, I have all that stuff. But then I also, I get dry needling done. So, you know, you got to figure out what's going to work with you on your quest to being healthy and being fit and being strong. So um, good stuff. So we know you're competitive as fuck. Sorry, but I had to drop the F-bomb in there just to <laughs> accent further. I ask every guest who comes on the show where they think their drive, energy, spirit, competitive drive comes from. You know, where do you think? Because, man, I know you have it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I honestly don't know. I feel like I need to have this conversation with my mom or dad and ask them because, I mean, my dad's like a pretty competitive person and stuff, but I feel like I am just next level competitive and I'm like very determined. If you like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Even if it's like something completely crazy, I will find a way and I will do it. And that's like been my personality my whole life. Like I, I don't like when people say, Oh, you can't do that. Or you're not going to like, no, I'm going to do it. And I will find a way and I will keep my word. So I'm not sure like exactly where it comes from, but gotta be stemmed somewhere deep inside my dna i don't know <laughs> yeah and it, it would be an interesting conversation to have with your mom or dad because um for me you know certain my mom's still with me but you know it's not about me it's about you and you know my mom will tell stories all the time about me or my brothers and just how we were when we failed at something or if we fell down and we're bleeding all over you know good lord man when we came back in that house bloody you know from the park and, you know, if you thought you were going back to my house to get the soft mom treatment, you definitely went to the wrong doorbell, man, because yeah. mom would be like, uh, yeah, you know where the band-aids are. Go patch yourself up and go back to the park. And I remember when I was little, I'd be like, like literally WTF, like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? And I'm bleeding all over the place. And, she, and, and I've talked about this with her, just so you're talking about talking to your mom and dad. You know, it was one of those things, you know, my dad is past, God bless, God bless him. He wasn't around a lot for us. Um, he just was kind of in the periphery a lot. It was always my mom. My mom taught us how to play every sport. She was at every game. She did every single thing there was with us. And like, so she was just really fearful and I understand it. 
um, that she was going to raise three boys that were going to be like, not strong, like wimpy or afraid or, um, not feisty, not have that spirit, which is she has in spades. So she might be this tiny little Irish woman, but man, don't mess with her, man. Don't mess with her. We've always feared her 30 years of battling lymphoma and everything else. She still keeps on ticking, man. And stay in the fight mantra. The show is all he pretty much thinking about just how tough she's always been and how she's handled all these difficult things in life. So, um, yeah, man, if you talk to them, they might have some fun stories for you. Not very specific stories like, Hey, this happened to you when you were eight playing soccer or whatever. And this kid tripped you and then you did this and, you know, I don't know, you might remember at eight, but you know, it's probably stuff even, even younger than that, but that's on your to-do list, man. It'd be interesting to hear a little bit more about it and maybe write a post about it one day. Cause I think it's always fun to figure out, you know, where, when that started and, you know, cause once it starts, you know, we don't have a shut off switch for that, man. We're just, we're wired like that forever. So, and I feel like, I mean, my son, he's my oldest, he's six and he's been playing soccer recently and he's pretty competitive. Like he's got a little bit of that for me and he's, you know, and it makes me happy. I'm like, yes, you're like me. Let's go. Glad, (laughs) you know, someone that thinks this is fun and, Um, We were just at a soccer tournament with him the other weekend and there was like this kid kind of pushing him around and I'm over there on the sidelines. Don't let him push you around. What are you doing? Push him back. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I need to chill. He's six. But yeah, I am like, nope, come on. You got to be tougher. Let's go. (laughs) Yep. Raising my hand, been there, done that. Yell the loudest person yelling at every single yeah. sporting event. And I was coaching my son's travel team. So good Lord, I probably embarrassed the hell out of him a lot of times. Um, yeah. But, you know, God bless, man. We are who we are. And, you know, you got to be authentic. That's who you are in your running life and what you share on your page. And if we're not being authentic, we're going to live a pretty miserable and shallow life, man. That's who we are. And you know what? If you want your kids to fight for shit and you want them to be tough, then when they come back in the house, you tell them, go find the band-aids and you don't be like, oh, come here. Oh, you have a cut <laughs> on your knee. Oh my God. What happened to you? Like I, and I tell her all the time, like, thank God that you raised us that way because good Lord, I was not that way with my son. I'm the first to admit it because yeah. we all all, how we're going to parent may not be how we were parented ourselves. Cause I only have one. I didn't have three. So man, I wanted to make sure he was okay, but <laughs> I loved when he got knocked down or got, you know, smashed with a baseball or something else. And he just like shrugged it off. I would, those were proud moments, man, because yeah. you want yeah. your kid to be tough and you sure as yeah. hell don't want him to quit or back down. And yeah, some kids pushing him. He better, he better take that kid out in the future, <laughs> man, for sure. If I was his coach, I'd be like calling him over going, okay, here's what you're going to do. But <laughs> anyway, good, good to hear for sure. Um, how about like mindset during races um, or even hard training days? Like when you're out there and you have to grind the really fast miles or you're in a section of a race where it's getting tough. Do you have a mindset? Do you have a mantra or like self-talk that you kind of employ to try to help you get through to the other side? Um, my, I don't really have like anything I like tell, I'm trying to think how to explain it. It makes sense in my head, but I can't really explain it. I feel like with hard workouts or races, like especially like racing towards the end, if I'm like done and I mentally just feel done, because I know as soon as I mentally tell myself done, my body's going to just shut down. So I know I have to stay on top of that mental toughness. So I like to either try and not pay attention to anything that's have to do with the race. 
like I'll like to think about like my earlobes or because they don't hurt like every every other body part is like screaming at me, but my earlobes don't hurt. So I'm going to think about that or I'm going to think about, oh, how nice this tree is, you know, like I just try and completely like remove myself from the situation. But I also like to reflect on past workouts I did coming up to the race and like, okay, you did this on this day. You can do this now. All you got to do is, you know, do that exact same thing. But I also like towards the end of races, like the last couple of miles, I'd be like, okay, it's only this many laps on the track. You've done that. How many times just finish it out. This is all it is. The, you know, the faster you run, the faster you'll be done. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm pretty, I don't know how to say this without coming off as like arrogant, but I feel like I'm pretty blessed with a mental toughness that not a lot of people can have. Like, I just feel like I haven't had lots of moments where I have like just completely mentally broken down during a run. Like I'm like, even for example, on my run on Saturday, I felt really good. So I had a run, I did like a three mile warm up, and then I had, um, five miles at mar- goal marathon pace. And then the rest of the run was just supposed to be like a moderate pace. And I felt incredibly good for those um, five miles. Like I killed, like I hit the times. I was so stoked. I felt good. I didn't feel too tired. And then as soon as I started my moderate miles, I was like, this sucks. I'm like, wow, I have to do this for eight more miles. Like that is a lot of miles, but I just would keep telling myself like the, you know, keep moving, keep moving. Then you'll be done. Let's, you know, turn on this song or try listening to this podcast or whatever. So, I mean, for me, if I just was like, eh, I'm done, I'm going to quit. That would weigh harder on me than just like getting it done and just trudging through it and embracing the suck. So I don't want to ever be like, oh, I had to stop. I'm a quitter. Like I just not my personality. I have to finish what I started which can sometimes, you know, obviously not be good if you're injured or whatever, but I feel like it really comes in handy for some of those harder workouts and harder days when you don't want to keep going, but I have to, it's just who I am. I have to keep going. Yeah. Well, you're wired that way. And, um, so that's the physical part, right? But then also the, the mental part of distractions, breathing. Sorry, I got a puppy. That's okay. Dogs are welcome to join podcasts, babies, kiddos. It's all good. We just let it roll like we talked about before the show came on. So it's all good. But um, yeah, like what, however you can distract yourself, however you can focus on a body part that isn't hurting. Um, the next signpost, the next mile, maybe the next runner, whatever the heck it is, you know, you got to focus on whatever is just going to take your mind off the issue that you're in, you know, whether it's uh you know, a side stitch, a pain, or just the fact that the pace just feels like death and you're not going to make it. But anyone who's a hardcore Goggins fan, man, we don't want to deal with what the fallout is. We don't want to do the, we don't want to do the postmortem and have to actually face ourselves in the mirror and go, um, yeah, I fucking quit. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I basically quit. I gave up. Yeah. Face facts. So, and again, that's why me personally, why that guy speaks my language all the time, because it just makes you pay attention to yourself. It's accountability for you and your own 
whatever, running, weightlifting, I don't care what it is. Um, everybody's so politically correct. I love the fact that he'll call, he calls himself a fat ass when he was, you know, <laughs> doing the cockroach extermination. Like people just think he's just doing this to talk about how great he is. It's not the case at all. Like he exposes yeah. every weakness and frailty in his life. And has to talk about some of the most horrible things that I couldn't even imagine talking about if that yeah, had happened to me. So sure. um, I'm lucky to have somebody like him to listen to. And I know you appreciate it too. So um, darkest hole you ever dug out of and how did you get out to the other side? Um, so probably the first thing that comes to mind is when I experienced postpartum depression. Um, and that's kind of been the start of a whole new mental health journey I never knew I would experience. I was in a really dark place after my son and I, you know, I climbed out of it, came out, but over the years, I've still dealt with it. Every once in a while, it will creep back in. And it's, it's hard because this was never part of my life before kids. Um, it's like something in my DNA literally changed when I had kids and it's like, I'm here to stay but you're going to figure out how to just live and keep it away. But it's, I don't think it's ever something that's fully going to be completely out of my life, which sometimes I'm like, that sounds really sad and depressing, but it's also taught me a lot and it's made me a better person. I mean, I have been able to connect with so many people and, really bring awareness to mental health. And that's where my love for running really grew strong because that running is literally what saved me. That's what I like to say. Like if I, I was in the darkest place, but I could go outside for a run with my son in the stroller and instantly I would feel better. And it gave me like a sense of purpose. And I mean, being a mom, that should give me sense of purpose, but Sometimes it just doesn't feel that way. And I know other moms can relate. Like it, I still feel that way some days now. I'm like, you know, I'm just a mom or whatever. Like I'm obviously that's a big deal, but it just doesn't feel that way. So running just makes me feel like such an awesome person and something to work for. That's only me and me against me. And so, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I don't know. Did I answer the question? <laughs> Yeah, you couldn't have answered you couldn't have answered it better. And um it's something I've talked about with plenty of other moms on this show. And um vulnerability is just when we are vulnerable and we actually share um our greatest challenges, the things that we struggle with the most. And you know, like no one would even use the words mental health or talk about mental health. I mean, people literally that was like whispered in a back room somewhere. You wouldn't even tell your own mom or your own dad or your own husband or a sibling because it was like, I can't talk about something like this. If I say this, people are going to judge me. People are going to do this. And then, you know, the greatest gift, I mean, I can't, it's impossible to hold my mom in higher regard. It's just not possible. And if I say that, then other people hear it and go, oh, he's, he's so full of shit. He's not, I'm not full of shit. And I know my brothers have that same incredible depth of love for my mom. But even though you're a mom and you have these beautiful kids and you have your husband and you have this beautiful life, that doesn't mean that this stuff can't be overwhelming to a point of it being horrible and can be a harmful and very dangerous situation. So, um, 
you know, God bless you for sharing and being vulnerable about it. I have no doubt that you've connected with and influenced a lot of other moms who were afraid to talk about it, but suddenly came across you and your page and said, well, I can talk about it with her because she understands it and she gets it. And it doesn't mean you need to be a doctor to understand it. It doesn't mean you need to have any psychological training to understand it. You either have empathy as a human or you don't. You can either say, oh, damn, that's awful. I wish I could help. Or at least instead of saying, hey, oh, whatever. Um, yeah, this person should do this or they should be happy for the things they have. Or like the minute you say you need help with something, people automatically start drafting up all the reasons why you shouldn't be upset about it or you should be okay. And, um, you know, like the famous one of all is like, you know, you say you have some kind of cancer. Within five seconds later, you're going to get 47 replies back. Well, my great aunt just came, overcame that and 88 other people. And it's like, I, I'm sorry, I didn't write that for everybody to tell me that everyone they know is fixed and no one died because the reason you write it is because you're being raw, right? You're going to be vulnerable and just say, hey, this is something I'm dealing with right now. Um, and I'm really struggling with this. And I'm going to share about it, not because I expect you to give me the magic wand and we're going to whitewash it and it's fixed. That's not real. Okay. There's nothing real about it. The fact that you still have moments when you're experiencing it is more powerful. And it's going to make more moms be willing to at least think about having a conversation with somebody, maybe not in an Instagram comments or a Facebook comments thread, but maybe they would go talk to someone else about it. Maybe they'd go talk to a doctor about it. Maybe they'd go find a support group on Facebook, which we all know all of these things exist. They're all there yes. and they weren't there years ago. Oh. So for my mom's generation or your parents' generation, none of these things existed. You know, there's something wrong with you. What do you mean? Be happy. You have two beautiful children. No, that's not the answer. Okay. That doesn't fix anything. So, um, I'm sure, um, I hope that that also helps you um, yeah. in those moments, maybe just thinking back on some of those conversations you've had, some of the people who've come into your life because you were vulnerable and you share that. Hopefully um, you realize that you're helping a lot of other people in addition to yourself and that they will reach out to someone, anyone to at least have a discussion and explore getting some help because unfortunately, and I don't know your own situation, it may not be possible to really talk to your own husband about something like this. It yeah. may be, but it may not be like, yeah. you may need to have that conversation. Uh, and I don't mean just with a therapist. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why it just has to be maybe sometimes with another person. Yes. And I just think like, I don't know about you. I mean, you're not an introvert, but for me, like talking about these things to people in person, I mean, now I, it's easier for me to talk about, but when I was first experiencing it, I literally loved the idea of having my Instagram and being able to post something so vulnerable because it's not face to face. It was a lot easier for me to type out my thoughts and think about it and then let people in and then people could understand like, oh, wow, you know. And so I love Instagram just for that reason, because it's kind of like therapeutic for me too to be able to write, you know how I'm feeling or whatever, because sometimes it doesn't just come easy and I can't just talk about it. So I love having that tool and then also connecting with other people. So I'm very grateful for the community that way. That's really powerful stuff because when we keep anything inside, um, that kind of stuff, stuff that's really serious and really important, 
um, and we're battling depression or it, it could be anything. My friends who've overcome alcohol, overcome drugs, overcome depression, serious mental uh, health issues, real challenges, thoughts of suicide. I've had guests on my show have tried to commit suicide more than once. And um, they're runners, they're introverts, they're ultra marathon runners. And somehow, whether it was faith, you know, going back to church, meeting a husband, meeting a wife, but running played some big part in every single one of those people that I stare at across these screens. And um, it's a gift for me to be part of these conversations to help people talk about difficult things because the running, God, we love it, man. It's it's so freaking obvious. We love it. We love what we do. We love everything about sharing it, the pictures, the videos, but also just the spirit, um, why the hell we're out there, um, how good it makes us feel. But to me, these are the things that really, really resonate and really help people to think like, I think this episode might really help a friend of mine who's struggling right now. Or I think that if they listen to this, it might help them be a little more open or figure out someone else to talk to. So keep sharing um, and keep doing good things because it's uh, it's really impactful. Thank you. Um, your coaching relationship, you know, you already got into it a little bit. There's obviously, you know, a super connection there. It's grounded, um, it's meaningful, and any good coaching relationship or a, te a mentor relationship, um, the real gold in those relationships is the self-belief factor for sure. But the fact that the person who's maybe the mentee, the person who's being coached, they have a, they have a voice, okay? They're not just taking this prescriptive stuff and saying, okay, I'm ready to jump off the building or I'll do whatever you tell me. Like, I have a voice. Like, hey, I'm run down. Um, I didn't get enough sleep last night. Um, I struggled the last couple of days. I'm not ready for this run. Um, so no, I can't do it. And when you're not in that kind of coaching, mentor, um, athlete um, relationship, you don't use your voice. Um, it's more like I have to do this because my teacher, my coach told me I have to do it. So I better go run 16 miles, even though I'm freaking exhausted and didn't sleep and I'm going to feel like shit and it might affect me for a few days. So, um, what do you, what are the things that make it most meaningful for you? Like working together in this like partnership, let's say, um, I'm lucky, like I'm really blessed because she's one of like my best friends and she, we've, I mean, she's started as my coach. We were kind of friends before, but it's really turned into a really good friendship. And she's one of who I would consider one of my closest friends. And we can relate to each other a lot in different aspects of our life. And we just get each other. It's nice when you find that person. So I feel really lucky that she is my coach and also my friend. Um, I don't know. I just feel really blessed and it's easy to communicate with her. Um, but she does that for all of her athletes. That's what's nice is I don't have to worry about, oh, she's just giving me special treatment because we're friends. Like she loves all of her athletes and you can tell that. And she takes so much time doing every workout, like every plan, every week, she spends hours and hours and hours and they each have her personal phone number and they can reach out to her whenever they want. She's concerned about their well-being and more than just running. Like she wants to know how their mental state is or how they feel physically. Like she could care less about the numbers on the paper. She wants to make sure the person feels good before they do what she's told them to do. 
And she gets like, she's a mom, she has a life, like she gets that things come up or, you know, people, we're not professional runners. We don't do this professionally. We have a life, like we have jobs and kids and spouses, you know, like, so she understands that. And she, I don't know, I just think it's really awesome the way that she coaches and cares about and makes you feel awesome. Like you are a freaking awesome athlete. Like, and I never like would consider my, like I consider myself an athlete in high school, but like, I didn't consider myself an athlete when I was just running. I don't know why. Like, I was like, I'm not an athlete. Like, don't call me that. But like, she calls you that, like you are an athlete and you need to treat yourself like an athlete. You need to take care of your body and blah, blah, blah. And I just think that's so awesome. And it makes me feel really cool. So great answer. And you guys have a powerful connection. So it's exciting. And when you have a connection like that, you have so much more you can you can tackle. And uh, look forward to seeing how that continues to go. And last place I always uh, discuss with people is community service, either something maybe you've done before, you know, high school, college days, or something maybe you might be thinking about doing in the future in some way to give back. And it does not have to have anything to do with running at all. Um, I'm trying to think what I've done in the past, like in high school. I know I did some like community service with church and stuff, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But one thing um, where I live, I live really close to a couple like mountain bike and running trails. And I've just like, we've gotten tons of rain this past like winter and it has completely like destroyed some parts of the trails or it's just like made them not as runnable or, I mean, you can still run them, but they're just not as enjoyable as they were. Or like one place they could really like use a bridge to put in. And I just think it would be awesome to be able to find out who's in charge of the trail system right there and be like, hey, can I help you? I'm sure it's just a couple people. I'm sure it's not like the city or anything. So it'd just be cool to reach out and figure out how we could help kind of clean up the trails and make it a little more, especially like there's one section where it's, Literally, if it rains enough, it's just a river and you can't get across to use it. But if they would put up a bridge, you could use it whenever. So it would just be cool if like we could get some people together and build a bridge. I mean, you don't have to build anything fancy, just a little bridge that you can ride your bike across, run across. So it'd be cool to get in touch with those people and figure out how to make that happen. Because I know there's so many people that use those trails and they would all love to come and help and be a part of it and just get it done quick. So. I think that's what I want to try and do next. I love that idea. Well, a couple of things. You can use your Instagram reach for your local runners. Um, all runners want to give back. It's, a, it's at the core of who we are. Um, so we want to give back. And if you can do something trail maintenance related, make it a running day. You know, just come out, organize a group run. Um, do some of the things you said. Maybe you don't have any engineers in your group. But, you know, whatever you do. Why do I talk about community service? Because every time we do it, we feel instantly better about ourselves. We feel just like you do when you type something in the comments and you share. So I'm bringing that back up because that's what you're already doing. Um, maybe you don't realize it or you don't think of it in that way, but by sharing your journey, sharing your struggles, and I say struggles because it isn't over. It's not something that's gone forever. It's not. That's not the way it works. Anybody who has issues with their mental health or uh, battling depression at times or any other things like this, postpartum, 
they're not gone or, you know, any more than, you know, an alcoholic has solved their problem or someone who's used drugs in the past. It's something that requires our, you know, continued involvement and we have to stay on top of it at all times. So what you're doing already with your page and sharing is having a huge impact. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you one for the future. Um, I know you're an introvert, but look at how well you opened up in this conversation with me. And we're total strangers. Yeah. I've never met you. You've never met me. We don't know each other. You know, we're just having this chat. Um, I think you would do a great job speaking um, to other moms about this if you were in a, like a formal setting. Um, it could be at a school, maybe it were at a, maybe like a mental health center or something like that. So I'm not saying, Hey, there's no time limit in this stuff. There might be a way to organize something like that, you know, to talk to other moms, or even if any of them happen to be local that you've ever had any of these conversations about reach out to them on one of your easy days for a run and just, you know, go talk to them out there on the trails, man. Because as we both know, there's huge power in unloading on those runs, man, and just letting it go because it's gone. It's off your shoulders. It's off of everywhere that it that that stress lurks, and it lurks in all of us. Um, so by you, you know, taking a little more charge of what you're already doing, you're already doing an amazing job in that area. You know, being a little, even just a tiny little bit more focused, you'll even be able to help more people. So just something to think about. Um, I think you would do an amazing job at it. Yes, I love that idea. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, I have to say this has been super fun um, getting to know you. It's been an awesome conversation. Um, I know you have a big following. People are super inspired by your running and you sharing about your postpartum issues in the past and how much running has been played a big role for you and just in your own mental health, your physical strength, mental well-being, all of that good stuff. Um, and sharing that is going to inspire lots more moms who, you know, who are in that situation. So, um, I've enjoyed it so much and I always like to throw it back to the guests before we sign off and just say, Hey, is there like one last message that you might want to share with the run chats audience, um, before we roll out? Um, yeah, I mean, my whole big like mantra is keep going, just keep going one step at a time. Doesn't matter any aspect in your life. You keep going. It can be during a hard run. It can be during a hard day, anything. You just keep going. That's, that's what you have to do. So yeah, that's, that's my last little piece. Keep going friends. Love it. Great message. Definitely a great place for us to land it. And thanks so much for coming on Katie. It's been really fun getting to know you and uh, look forward to sharing your inspiring journey. So we sign off every show by telling all the runners to keep lacing them up, to keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow. I'm so grateful to Katie for trusting me uh, to step out of her comfort zone and come on and share her incredibly inspiring journey. It's such an important conversation and incredible connections that she's forged with other moms that are going through similar postpartum depression struggles. And her choosing as an introvert to share her struggles in the Instagram space was a big step. Um, and not one you would expect, again, from an introvert, but one that really helped her uh, begin to process what she was dealing with and handling. Obviously, running played a huge part, along with family support, um, medication, and therapy, um, which are all needed um, for something of this kind of magnitude. But it's an important conversation. 
It was really fun getting to know Katie, and I'm just so thankful for her again for for coming on and trusting me to have the conversation and share um, the key stuff that she did, and, and more importantly, just to hear about how into it she is with her running, how fiercely competitive she is, how much we share a love for Goggins, and uh, the wonderful partnership she has with Emily from Praxis Coaching. You know that's super clear, um, and just so many moms out there that are following her page, um, that have forged this connection with her. There's just so much power in that. So it's wonderful stuff. I'm super grateful for her coming on. And uh, I hope you all enjoy the listen. Um, I wish you all well in your training. I hope everything's going well. Hope everybody's excited about where they are or have something big that they're building up for, like Katie with her Mount Charleston race. Uh, We've got Boston up next, London after that, Berlin, Chicago, New York. And for Uh, The listeners that aren't into the marathon, maybe you've got some track stuff coming up, uh, indoor or outdoor season, cross country, uh, or the ultra folks, I'm sure you have some big things on your plate as well. So anyway, wishing you all the best with training, racing, and life. And uh, as we say at the end of every episode, keep lacing them up, my friends, keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight.